Hello and welcome to Music Forward Foundation's Industry Sessions, Conversation in Music. Music Forward is a part of the House of Blues and Live Nation family that inspires ambition and creates momentum to redefine what is possible for young people in the music industry. Check out musicforwardfoundation.org for more information and let's get into the show. So I want to start this conversation off by really talking about the journey uh, of each of you a- as an artist. And Sam, we'll, we'll start with you, right? When you began sort of this career as a singer-songwriter, it was actually when you were seven and in church. So talk mm-hmm. to us how you went from singing in the church with your family to saying, this is gonna be the career for the rest of my life. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, my mom, uh, she would always have solos at church. Um, so once seeing her, like they say now, that's once seeing her in her bag, um i just knew like that's where i wanted to be i wanted to be on that stage i wanted to be behind that mic um so like i said i started in church um i did start in a gospel group um based out of dallas um and then just my love just grew from there um moved to houston because i auditioned for a boy uh, r&b male group and got that auditioned got in that band was in that band for about a year and a half and um, got out of that, obviously broke up. So I became a solo artist um, early 2016 and haven't turned back since. And I mean, it's been an amazing ride since then. Yeah. And, and Zach, you sort of had a uh, not dissimilar journey, but talk to us about sort of how when you first found out one that you were musically talented and then wanted to turn that into a career. Yeah, I was um, definitely inspired um, early on by uh, my mom as well. Um, she was a, a great singer and um, started exposing me to all sorts of music as a, a little kid. And um, I moved to Houston as well. Um, Sam, I know you said, yeah, you mentioned you're from there. And um, that's when I started in middle school, getting out and playing in bands, um, just experimenting and um doing shows around bars and clubs that was my uh my intro into music you know yeah that was my beginning thank you uh cat tell us a little bit about sort of when you knew that you were musically talented and wanted to pursue this as a career um so i've been singing since i was a little girl i was just always obsessed with music uh came from a decently musical family, but not really. They loved like salsa merengue and it's part of the culture, the Cuban culture, but um, was definitely like took it a little far myself. Um, And I moved to New York in 2012. I started uh, like recording an EP. I ended up getting signed. So I was at Epic Records for five years, um, signed by Sylvia Rohn and under LA Reed. And so I had that whole like non, non-indie experience coming back to being indie like two and a half years ago. And I've been indie ever since. And I took a lot of knowledge from there, from like being in the major label to now. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm currently at now. What are my inspirations? Uh, all types of different artists, uh, a lot of young, up and coming, random, you know, very creative people, you know, the ones that don't have the awards inspired by. Um, and yeah, my mom too. I love my mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and I want to come back to that conversation around um, sort of being a part of, of Epic and then choosing to be to go the ND route. I think that is something that we want to capture in this conversation. Uh, but before we get to that, Emmy, talk to us about uh, you have an interesting journey being, being growing up also, I believe, uh, singing at a very young age and then mm -hmm. going into university and singing and then moving to Los Angeles. Talk to us about that journey when you knew sort of music was going to be your life. Yeah, I just, I think uh, the, the, the earliest video that my parents have of me singing is I think three years old. So I had like my first gig, like my first paid gig when I was like five. And then um, in Memphis, I was singing on Bill Street, which is like a really famous, so Memphis is so rich in music and history from Stax, um, just back in the day. So a lot of of it's just like they breathe in the water it's something good like you can go on every corner and hear a girl or a guy in Memphis that can sing down just so you're just surrounded by that so when I came to LA I was only 20 um I got a full scholarship to the University of Memphis um through vocal music and I left my senior year because I just really felt in my heart that school was not going to really prepare me for my personal journey. I'm not down in school, but for me, because I didn't waste anyone's money, you know, my parents were, they totally supported me and, you know, helped me move out here. And um, I struggled. I was like broke, so broke the first year. And then I started singing background for Macy Gray. So I went to 40 countries with her, toured, and she changed my life. She let me open for two of her world tours. And um, she really like, let me see that you can really create your own lane. You know, this lady is going to markets and countries that artists that have millions of followers are not going to. And she made one hit 20 years ago and she's still touring. So it just, I needed to see that. I needed to know that there was another way other than the way for you to break and do well in the industry. So she's definitely a huge inspiration, for sure. I wanna keep on that, This we talked about it earlier, but this idea of um, artists being in Los Angeles and Los Angeles being sort of the, the goal and the destination. And sort of, I, I wanna say the majority of not everyone on this call has made that move from from somewhere to, to Los Angeles. I mean, you coming from Tennessee, Sam, you going from Missouri to Texas, and Zach sort of, you, I've spent time in Los Angeles, but have chosen to sort of settle down in, in, in Austin, Texas. Sam, focusing on you, what, what was the move or what was the conversation with yourself saying that I need to be in Los Angeles if I want to make it as an artist? So I was actually working with a, um, with a label out here um, and a team. So um, the, the conversation was, um, we, we met as a collective, um, the team I was working with in Houston. Um, we met, even my I had my parents, um, the team here in LA, um, they were gonna sign me, got the work in. Um, and at the end of the story, it, nothing happened. Um, so that was the initial reason I moved out here. Um, I was coming back and forth for at least three years because after the group broke up, I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna focus on me. Um, I mean, this is what I, I wanna do. This is what I was called to do. This is what I was created to do. Um, so let's get this thing popping. So, I mean, it was, it was like balls to the wall. 
Sorry if I, if I can say that. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so, I mean, that was the initial reason I came out here. But it was the, honestly, it was the best decision I've made. Um, I did come out here on faith. Um, and, I mean, I just, I don't look back. Because, like I said, it was the best decision I've made. I've had some amazing experiences. And I've only been here a year and a half. Um, and I've experienced so many things. Um, a long list of things. And I would take anything back. So. Kat, I want to con continue this, the question with you as well, right? You um, released one of your first singles in 2013, and I know you being from Miami, share with our participants sort of your, your journey or your experience in, in LA, and if you feel if it's necessary for an artist to be successful, they need to be in Los Angeles. I, I hear a lot of more people moving out of LA, and I think it's because of the Rona and COVID and the craziness and stuff. So. To me, that's encouraging. I really don't like the whole idea of like, this city has become like, it's like monopolized, like a location for everybody. Like, oh, you gotta be there if you wanna make it happen. I personally hate that. I also love my city. I love Miami. I wish I could be there more. Thankfully, like music is popping down there more as far as writing and stuff, because Latin music is just doing better, so. I can go down there now and work more, but before it really wasn't happening down there. Everything was happening here. So it's like, you do kind of feel forced to come out here, but I don't know, there's, it's, it goes both ways. I've had so many dope experiences here. There's so many amazing artists, writers, producers, just like creatives. So you're just constantly meeting people and you're able to collab and make things happen because people are power. Um, but also it kind of, I do wish people would cultivate like more in there. Like everybody was just more spread out. Maybe I just hate traffic. <laughs> <laughs> that could also be a thing. You know, I think it's partially, honestly, sometimes it just feels like so many people in this city. But mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, with COVID and stuff, it seems like it's spreading out a little bit. People are just going back because I think we're starting to realize just like people in regular nine to five world that, you know, you can work from home. Yeah. You know I mean? Like you can just pick, like, you don't have to go to this office, this made up place where they tell you this is where you need to get your work done. And I feel like LA is kind of like that, the big office. Yeah. Um, and then all over, I think all over the country, there's different hubs of where music, music and creativity are coming, right? You've got, you've got Nashville, you've got even for you got Orlando, like there's different, New York, there's different pockets where music is sort of uh, be, being created and being sold. Um, the purpose of generating this conversation, conversation. Today is really, really about the, the journey of the independent artist, but how does that also match up against the journey of somebody who is signed? And Zach, I want to ask you sort of when did you sort of know that you were going to take the indie artist route? And is that something that you plan to continue? Or are you actually looking for label resources or to being signed under a label? Mm. Well, um, at 18, I went on American Idol and got a bit of a taste of um, what, what it's, um, what the, I guess the big industry of music is like, and, you know, I've, I guess I've found that um, being an independent artist, you, 
the journey could potentially is oftentimes a lot longer and um, you have a lot more obstacles and walls and hurdles to get past. Um, but if you build everything yourself, um, I think you'll appreciate it in the long run. And that's, that's kind of the path I've, I've taken is um, um, the independent route, uh, slow building everything and, um, you know, trying to build my own fan base. And it's very possible to do today because, I mean, the internet, you know, puts the power of the, you know, in back into the hands of artists. So um, I'm really taking advantage of, of, of everything, social media platforms, YouTube um, is a big one. Um, and I think, I think that in this day and age, especially um, currently, like um, taking advantage of the internet and um, all of those resources that are available online really sets the independent artists up in a great way. Yeah. Uh, Kat, what you mentioned earlier was that you had label experience and representation for, for five years, and now you're back on, on the, the hustle and thrive of an independent artist. T talk to us about that decision and sort of what are the biggest differences you see? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everybody's experience is going to be different going into a major label and stuff. And I think I was just really young and I was like naive and I didn't really quite understand how it all worked. I really came from, from nothing to like getting signed and not even realizing what the gravity of that was. And, um, and, uh, and I think that in a lot of ways being indie is so much doper because you just kind of do your thing you're the boss you make it happen you put out whatever the fuck you, frick you want and all that stuff um but also bread wise i mean you know it's like you're constantly investing in yourself which is empowering but sometimes you you are stunted and you know things can productions can halt music videos need to wait you can't release this thing because you know, um, cause it's, you're dealing with your own money. Um, so it can definitely be challenging, but you have to get creative. I mean, that's the fun part of it. And again, it's definitely a labor of love. Um, so yeah, coming from a major, it was extremely stressful. I was, I wasn't very happy. It was miserable. Mm but being indie is a lot of hard work yeah it is a lot of hard work i'm not gonna were there were there some things specifically that that made you unhappy that made you realize like this is not being a label is not what's cracked up to be for sure it's like all the pressures of like all you know the big ups you know pressuring you to do this or sing this song or maybe seem like this or wear this or look like right. this da, 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 da. And so it doesn't give you much self-confidence. Like your your self-esteem is constantly being lowered because you feel like you just don't know yourself or, you know. And maybe I came into the game with low self-esteem and that's my own issues from freaking childhood or whatever. But um, yeah, it can be super challenging for a young person, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, were you going to add something onto that? What'd you say? Were you going to add something on to that thought? Uh, well, I've actually, I'm, I'm like the total opposite. I've, I've never uh, even been inside of a label. Um, mm -hmm. I've, the only time a label has reached out to me 
has been to buy a song and I respectfully declined because I felt yes. the number was too low. Um, so I agree with her because I've just heard so many horror stories on how um, a lot of my friends and colleagues that have been signed, they've been so unhappy. Um, when I would think it would be a time when you would be the happiest because the stress that I've had being an independent artist, a full time of, like she said, finding the money, not being able to move when you want to move from having that backing. It's like everything still has a price. Yeah. So I, I'm just, yeah. I will oh. say too, like if you come, like I think like for all the young people watching this now, like if you, if you really put the work in now and you're an indie artist for whatever, two, five, seven years, mm -hmm. and then you partner up with a label, now you have all the leverage, you have all the knowledge, you, you've grinded, you've worked, you've spent the bread, you, you, you've been your own boss. And so they can't come in kind of like trying to control the situation or mm -hmm. feel like they own you type vibe, yeah. um, which is what they sometimes will do with younger artists for sure. And again, if you don't have the knowledge and you don't know, and you're like, oh, oh contracts are and you think your dreams are about to come true, it's definitely, you know, I think if you build up, like, and you, when you find the right partner, now you have access to that bread. Like Ebony was saying, it's freaking, it's, you know, it can be stressful if it's your own bread. Yeah. You have that bread, but I oh, we're talking about indie life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about, because it's important that what I want to share on this session is like, you all talk about the knowledge that you possess as independent artists, right? But you got that knowledge from somewhere. So I want to talk about where where that came from and what you're using to, to teach yourself to be able to not only know your know your value, but be able to, I mean, to your point, the number was too low. Well, who, where did you, where did you be able to quantify like the, the number relates to your, your music? Um, well, for me, I really got like the first shot that I tried for television, which was the real I got. Um, and then the second shot that I got was actually me writing and singing for a commercial for JCPenney for a campaign. Mm -hmm. So that one song in that one year was the, was on the same album that they were wanted to buy. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I've already made this much on one song from the same album. So your number is too low. It's just trial and error. Like I've never had anyone show me the ropes it's just been like i will be blessed with amazing opportunities and my lawyer i've had the same lawyer for nine years now mm -hmm. so it's just been he, he and i so that at least on the business side i'm taken care of and then when it comes to everything else it's me just really having faith and making sure that the deals go through there's no blueprint for being an independent artist because everyone's journey is different, you know? So you kind of just have to figure it out as you go. And of course, stuff like this is great because we can now talk and meet and have dialogue about it. But, yes. you know, in the beginning for me, there wasn't this. It was just me fucking up and correcting it. And yeah. excuse me, but yeah, it was just a lot of that. So. Uh, I love that you all are correcting your language for, for our audience. I very much appreciate it. Uh, uh, the, um, something that's being mentioned, something that we've talked about, and even when I would, was doing re research on all of your wonderful careers, by the way, and I can't wait to get into the content creation part of this conversation, um, is that you all have amazing 
teams behind you, right? Whether it be your manager, whether it be a lawyer giving you legal advice, someone who's helping you produce or a drummer. Um, and usually when you're going the label route, there is that support or, or a team that's suggested for you to use or in some cases mandated. But I wanna spend uh, this time talking about how you all were able to identify your, your managers and how they're able to support you. And Sam, we'll start with you. I know that you were once once managed and now you're managing yourself. So talk about one, that transition, but also sort of what are you looking for when you're trying to identify someone who can help manage and elevate your career? Yeah, so um, my first manager was uh, when I was getting out of that group. Um, and it, Actually, I met him through Music World, um, which is uh, owned by Matthew Knowles. Um, so he was a student of his. And so I met the manager through him. Um, he was young and he was like up and coming, but he just, he talked that talk. And I was young, it sounds so good. <laughs> and when, I mean, just going through the motions, you start to get a whiff of like, yo, this is not for me. This is not, his vision doesn't align with my vision. Um, where I see myself going, he didn't see myself going. Um, what I wanted my brand to be, he didn't see that. So it was just like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, did his vision align with my vision? Mm. When it comes to just any, honestly with anyone on my team, whether it's marketing, whether it's someone assisting you, whether it's um, to the stylist, to someone doing my hair, to um, just people working on my website. If their vision doesn't align with my vision or um, their walk doesn't align with my walk, like, they're just not for me. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the way I dictate who is on. <laughs> that's just the way I dictate the people who I interact with um, and the people who I allow in my space. Um, that goes well with um, when it comes to me creating as well. Yeah, and Zach, you you not just, but in 2018, you signed a you signed a management deal. So talk about how your career has either evolved or taken a turn since since you've made that decision to sign sign management. Uh, hold on, let me you're muted. There we go. Yeah, yeah I was doing um, pretty much everything on my own, and uh, you know, being my own manager and sending out handling business under a pseudonym and all that sort of stuff uh, for a long time. And um, it was just because I hadn't, I hadn't found the right person. And I think Sam was right saying that you have to find somebody that's um, uh, synced up with your, your, your vision. Um, for me too, it was finding somebody that I felt like I could trust. Uh, that's a big thing. I think uh, for anybody, uh, like Sam said, on any part of your team is finding somebody that, um, believes in you and also again somebody you can trust I think that's really important and um, luckily I found or my manager found me during South by Southwest of 2018 and um, it was really just a, a conversation sitting sitting down getting coffee and about 30 minutes into the conversation I just had the realization I was like this is the person that I want to represent me in meetings I just I don't know, I had that, uh, that moment where it clicked and uh, I was like, this is the person, you know, it felt right. And it, it's been good ever since. Um, and and I, I, somebody, I forget uh, which one of you guys was talking about having a, a team built around you. I think that's super important. 
as an indie artist, you know, I think a lot of people start off feeling like, you know, they can do this all on their own, but I think it's very, uh, very important. You do have some sort of team around you to help push you, um, tell you when you're messing up, tell you when you could do, be doing more. It's uh, super important. And, and something that was mentioning, we mentioned earlier, and Kat actually read this when I was, was studying up on you, which is it's an enjoyable opportunity for me to be able to uh, read up on all of you. Uh, but you, your, I believe it was your your first EP you self-financed, and we talk about as independent artists the multiple streams of revenue you have to have to be able to cover sort of all that you want to do. And from Kat and, and Emmy, like I want to hear about sort of outside of music, how are you all bringing in streams of income so that you can fund your uh, your music? And Kat, we can start with you. Uh, yes, uh, streams of income come from a sound exchange. I'll just be getting checks from like old records that I've put out that are on Spotify um, and Apple and stuff. Sound exchange, my, I've gotten advances on publishing because I write as well. I think writing is like really powerful. So if you write, if you're writing for other writer, uh, artists on the side, you know, that's possible bread right there. Um, and, and then, yeah, kind of like what Zach said, like, you need a lot of people helping you. You need like, <laughs> like favors a lot of favors you know what i'm saying <laughs> when i even did this last album like a lot of it was just off the strength of producers that just like believed in me loved what i was doing blah 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 and are just willing to have some type of partnership when it comes to like making music as opposed to like paying a producer for a beat or whatever partnering with people and then um that'll help you kind of like be able to kind of like put your, I don't know, put your projects together more easily, constantly collaborating with people and friends and favors. Yes, you need, you're constantly like, as high as you're going, like you just always remember you're, you're on top of the shoulders of the people that are helping you and all that stuff. But yeah, bread, writing on the side. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, I, can I? Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, I own a hairline called Hair Situations. Um, I've, it's an LLC as well, and I've owned it for five years. Um, so I've, everybody called me like a hustler because I'm just always like, my dad taught me you never put all of your eggs into one basket. So what I have always struggled with as an independent artist is whatever I focus on, that's what will thrive. So if I focus on music, I'll get a TV placement. I'll get a placement and I'll make bread from that. If I focus on my hair business, I'll make thousands in sales in one month. But focusing on both of them at the same time, which is to piggyback on what Zach said, you have to have a team. Your tribe is your vibe. And so I've just been so blessed to have a village of people that really want to see me win. And it's like, no one cares what position they have to play as long as it's a win. And you have to surround yourself with people like that. Like my best friend has been perfectly fine with being my assistant. You know what I'm saying? And I was paying her to do that. And now she actually is training, training my assistants now, you know? So it's like having people that you trust and also knowing when that season is up. 
and you have to let them go because everyone has, you know, stuff that they have to do. So um, that's one way. And during the quarantine, I actually started a drive-in concert. So I made the drive-in concert free and I've been able to get vendors. Like I have um, a marijuana sponsor. I have a bar sponsor. I have a food vendor, a food truck that comes. And so I've been able to monetize my, my brand and also monetize this event, even in the middle of a quarantine. Now it's invite only. And of course, you know, we are safe and you have to wear a mask and all of that, but just always being innovative. Like you're always gonna have to think of new ways because we've never been here before. So now it's like, I'm able to perform live every week and I'm able to monetize off of my brand every week. So you just have to think, where is your bag? And then execute that. Yeah. I want to I transition this conversation because you made me think when you were talking about uh, your, your driving concerts, just about ways that you all are not only building your fan bases, but engage, engaging them pre, pre during and post COVID. And, Kat, I want to I want to talk to to you first because uh, you in the engagement of your fans is I was reading on your website how you really just write these poetic <laughs> I feel like poetic sonnets to your fans and they're almost like these personal um, journal entries and they just seem so close to you and so I want to I want to ask you. Um, one has that always been the way that you've engaged your fans and sort of have you always been that open and direct with them? This was like a new idea that we came up with like a few months ago. It was actually pre-quarantine to like do a blog and bring blogs back and then just like have a, like an open dialogue where, it, yeah, it is easy to like just say whatever you're feeling, whatever's going on. And it's a great way to kind of have a one-sided conversation. It's kind of funny, but um yeah that we started that and it for me it's actually really cathartic is that the word i'm looking for and um expressive in a way that isn't like musical where sometimes music can feel like mathematical sometimes where things need to fit right and this can kind of just be stream of thought and nothing needs to freaking rhyme so it's cool and then just like constantly creating content for my fans to enjoy, you know, whether it's just music or visuals to go with the music or photo shoots. Um, and then on Inst on the gram, I'll always just like post up stuff like ask a question. And then I love just talking to my fans like that through that. And then like on in the DMs too, every now and again, just like when they're showing love, like just show love back and appreciate right. them for even caring about you because that's crazy and, yeah. um, and creating that relationship yeah. I, I what's yes I, and I, I love that I feel like Zach I I don't want to miss the opportunity to tell the world that you're now on YouTube and that is the way that you decided to, to engage your fans so tell uh, tell our audience about sort of that decision to one venture to YouTube but in the unique way that you have Yeah, so, um, you know, again, I got my start um, in music just completely live before I'd written any songs or anything, knew anything about music. I was just um, playing on stages. And so that's, that's been um, most of my career is just 
based in the live music scene and Austin being the live music capital of the world. Um, but when that all shut down because of COVID, um, it just, you know, we're talking, we keep talking about the word uh, reinvent keeps coming up. I had to figure out, you know, what to do. Um, and, the, you know, there, there's some live stream things that, that happen, but um, it really pushed, uh, pushed me and my team to focus on uh, figuring out new opportunities and new, uh, new ventures. And for that, it was YouTube. That was, seemed like the most obvious and best choice for us. Um, and so there's a, a YouTube series that comes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Central. And um, it's called Amplified, where I talk about hit songs and um, the artists behind them. And it's, uh, it's something that we hope that uh, will pick up traction pretty quickly. Um, but that, that's kind of what we're doing with this time. Right. And you talk, we talked earlier about how you and your team decided to create a bulk of content before releasing it and before sort of promoting it so that when you were, you got, you gave your fans enough so that they can sort of chew on while you took time to create more, which I think is a, a brilliant concept and a, a strategy. So kudos to, kudos to you. I want to, um, while we're on the line of talking about content creation, I want to talk about your music. Uh, and I want to start with, with Sam and I mean, Sam, you released Lost in Love back in June during this quarantine. Um, and it's gotten great reception as in 15,000 uh, listeners on Spotify. Talk and share with our audience sort of strategies in order to help promote and, re and release that single. And what do you credit it, uh, credit for it to being so su successful? You're unmuted. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. No. Um, Lost and Lost. Um, I actually I started working on that um, last like last summer, like early fall. Um, so I'm, I'm in a, into astrology. I love space when it comes to like planets and stuff. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd at heart anyway. So um, I just like, I like all that kind of stuff. Um, but when it comes to creative, honestly, um, I really didn't have anything like, I knew what I wanted for my cover. So I already knew like, how I wanted to wanted it to look, but as far as like the marketing aspect of it, because I'm very involved of uh, when it comes to marketing. Um, but as far as that part, I had no idea what I wanted to do. But then COVID just kind of, I don't want to say I no, it forced me to. It forced me to go in my bag. It forced me to just reach in my bag and just be like, okay, dude, what do I need to do? Like, what do I need to? Where do I where do I take this next? So. As you see, I have I bought this backdrop um, of these stars. I have at night, I have this thing that lights up my ceiling with stars. Like everything I do is is my music. I walk in my music, I talk in my music. So like I talk about like um, astrology on my on my Instagram stories. Um, so I intertwine everything I do um, with the, the theme of my music. So that's the way I promoted my music. Um, like I, I did like fun facts leading up to the release of my song um, and tied it into the lyrics. So like, um, and then like fun facts of like what I was watching. So like Lost in Space is something on Netflix. So I tied that into it. 
Um, so I just found different ways to creatively how to tie my music with what people, I knew what people were like tuning into at home and something that would, you know, grab people's minds just because I know like Elon Musk is a huge thing right now. Like, you know, he's really big on this SpaceX stuff. And I just knew like, I, it's my love for it. And I knew everybody else's attention is, at, you know, going that direction. So, you know, I just paid, I pay attention to what's going on around me. No, it's important to not only know your fans, but also sort of what is um, in the main streams so yeah. that you can incorporate some of that. Kat, you also released a single three, three weeks ago and have been creating in this quarantine. So has your pro your creative uh, creative process changed now that uh, we are stuck indoors or do you feel like you're creating more or less? Uh, I, it definitely stunted me. Like I had this whole plan. We were going to like drop records da, 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 and then COVID. And then it took me like three months to drop a song, but I finally dropped my first one three month, three or four weeks ago. And then today I'm dropping my second one. So in true indie artist fashion, <laughs> go check it out. It's at 10 PM. It's called See You on a Voice. And, uh, it's on YouTube and I'm going to do a live premiere with all my fans. Um, so yeah, I mean, the plan is to basically keep dropping songs. We're shooting a video, another video for the next single on Monday. I the plan is to basically just keep dropping songs and videos for the next four weeks, every four weeks, and just keep it consistent and keep content rolling out. Like the, the album is already done. It's mixed, it's mastered. So like, it's really just about me now, like putting the visuals together, dropping that and making sure that we do it on time and keep feeding the fans and um, yeah. And, and Zach, you released uh, Can't Stop Running in June and then also followed up with a music video. What is, talk to us about the differences when you're creating a music video and how you've taken this unique approach because it's really just you and a, a single shot and so talk to us about that decision to be creative so that you're not only engaging your fans but and getting your message across through your video but also sort of putting out what's out there what you think is going to be received well yeah um that was an interesting process we um i i started shooting just like these random uh music video things on my uh just using an iPhone and a stabilizer, the little handheld one you can buy on Amazon. And it was getting a, a pretty good reactions from uh, people on Facebook and different things. And um, quarantine hit again, and uh, we had plans to, to shoot a, a music video for the, not, I mean, not just Can't Stop Running, but the, all the songs on the new EP. And um, we just decided to do DIY, do it ourselves. And, um, I think, like, I keep uh, mentioning back or referring back to Sam, but I think I have a, we both have a mutual interest in kind of space. Uh, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I like the desert a lot and it feels like Mars out there. And that's kind of what we were trying to accomplish with the music video was make it feel just like, I don't know, like, where the heck is, is this guy? Um, but uh, as, as far as, um, messaging goes i honestly i really don't know what kind of message we were trying to portray with that video it just look cool <laughs> but um i do think that people um there's a 
a lot of opportunities for people to, to get things, you know, to do, do things themselves. And um, you're probably capable of like doing a lot more on your own than you think. And um, that can't stop running music video is proof of that. I, I want to talk about, um, you all have been busy during quarantine, right? And okay, I love that you brought up the, uh, this live performance um, that's, go that's going on because in the virtual performance space, what are some tips and tricks and advice that you can give to our audience to engage fans while still being virtual? Were you asking me that? Yes, or I was. <laughs> I was asking you. Because I know Emmy's got the drive-ins, which is dope. Yeah, I know. So both, for both of you, let's start with you, Kay, and then Emmy, I want to hear from oh, you. Oh, because you're asking about the virtual. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The virtual is weird. I mean, yeah, I got invited to go to Melody VR, which they're a company that what they would do is they take these 360 cameras and for these live performances in front of audiences pre-COVID, they would film these performances and then you at home can put on your virtual eye set and you could feel like you're there. So they pivoted because they knew live out, you know, you know, audience performance is probably halted for now. So they pivoted and made it like a studio thing. So they have like all these like TVs around you. You can put up your, your, you know, you know, your live visuals for your songs. And now you're singing in a studio alone in front of these 360 cameras. And now people at home can watch you alone in a room <laughs> when you're just singing. And you have to do this set and just like kind of go as if you were doing it in front of an audience. So I did it for Music Cares. I did it for Melody VR. It's definitely a little weird at first, but like, you know, I mean, look, it's just like, we're all talking about here. It's like, you just gotta roll with the punches. You gotta get used to it. You gotta figure out what the next thing is and you gotta stay creative. And it is what it is. It's not that bad, it's kind of cool. You go to a right. studio, you do a six song set and you, you know, that's what it is for now. Yeah. I mean, I wanna talk to you about two things. One, you did a live performance with Play for Change where you were performing in one space and then you had your band performing in another space then they were social distancing so talk to us about how it was different to usually when an artist is performing they're not only getting energy from their band who's on stage but also their fans so how was that different not having your band behind you but having them in a whole different room um well we came up with that concept like you said due to COVID and also I have like a very powerful voice, like some singers sing low, but uh, you know, I am like a belter. So there was feedback because of my voice and my drummer's Mike Stanley, who's my producer. So they were like, well, you gotta go outside. Um, so um, the founders of Playing for Change actually came to one of the drive-ins. And so they sent their camera crew to set up just how we set that up. So I, it's really good for me because it's making me fall in love with music all over again because you're singing blind. The music is behind you. So it's really teaching you how to really quarterback and really take control of your show, of your stage. So um, yeah, we were able to raise money for Plan for Change and that was awesome. Um, 
And what was your other question? And then also with the with the driving, people are not only in their cars, but I see that some people are also social distancing, but not in a car. How are you engaging with your fans in that type of setting? In that type of setting, it is literally magic. It's literally like um, we started off going live on Instagram. So literally the first week of quarantine, we're up on four months. So every week we've um, provided, I, I just like to call myself like a good vibes curator. I like to curate good vibes. <laughs> and so um, we started off just me singing outside and like strangers just stopping and being like, who is this girl singing, you know? And so to kind of control that, we started doing 30 invites a week. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a way for us to like have little pockets of joy during this time. And so uh, every day, every week I'm singing to them and they're singing to me too. Uh, I'm from the South. I come from the church. So we call it like a little soul choir. <laughs> and um, we uh, bring Memphis to LA and we always sing Still in Love by Al Green just to spread love which is what the world needs right now and so i'm always like responding to people i'm always you know just talking to people and we're always singing together because music right. is the one thing that connects us so um that's what i'm doing yeah i want to before i want to end our conversation today really talking about some of the technical pieces of all of your your careers and giving advice to our audience but before we go into that i mean we were just uh, we were talking about everyone's work that they've just put out or that they've been excited about, and I want to talk about your single "Say My Name" with Brandon Jenner, and because it's so it's so relevant and timely with everything that's going on with George Floyd and sort of all, all the chaos and the police brutality. You, you Brandon Jenner wrote this song and that relationship that you all had and how it came about. I just want you to share it with our audience. Yes. Like we literally had a power outage here. That's why I, <laughs> oh, wow. I, was, I was like, okay, Mercury's clearly in retrograde, whatever. But um, so Brandon Jenner, he's been a, a friend. We've been friends for a couple of years now. Um, I write as well. So I've just been really in the studio writing with him um, these like a few years, these past few years, like I'll go in and I'll vocal arrange or vocal produce or lay some backgrounds, write some back, you know, just we've had that type of relationship. So when he called me, he just asked me to hear the song um, because, you know, he's a white guy. And for those types of words to come from a white man, he just wanted to make sure that it wasn't offensive and that he was moving in the right way. And so when I heard the song, I started crying personally because I feel for years we as Black people have been speaking and not being heard, you know. Um, we've been writing songs all the way from back to Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Like artists have been talking about social, social injustice and police brutality for years and we've not been heard. So I felt like I had to let him be an ally. I had to let him help me and amplify my voice, being a Black woman. Um, and so then he asked me to sing on the song and it's just literally taking a life of its own. Like the amount of support and love that we have gotten and received has just been amazing. We've been able to spark uncomfortable conversations between white and black people because one thing that I've learned in this whole process is a lot of white people don't know what to say. 
They don't want to put their foot in their mouths. They don't want to be offensive. So them not saying nothing is kind of like a protective mechanism for them. So what I've also had to learn to bridge that gap is as a Black woman to create a safe space for them to feel like that they can say the wrong thing and we can correct that in love. So um, just really, it's been so, I've never talked about race so much. I've never um, felt like I've had to have and curate open spaces for white people to feel comfortable enough in to learn about our culture and our history. So I think as a black woman, I have a responsibility to, to do that because it's our history. So who better to tell you than me? So um, through that, we have raised over $20,000 for um, playing for change. I mean, color of change. And um, we just did Good Morning Australia. Um, we did an interview with people. Like, we literally are spreading a message of love and all of the money is going to Color of Change, uh, which is a foundation that I personally chose. And um, just, he has literally been so selfless in this. And his whole thing is he just wants the world to look at all of us as humans, you know, for us to all take color, take whatever out of it, take status out of it. And we need to look at each other and address each other as humans and love on one another. And that's the only way this shit is gonna change. So he and I are being the change. So we 10 toes down in this thing, man. Yes, I love it, I love it. All right, so we're coming to a close and I want to ask um, you all, is there a moment in your career that you passed up on, you wish you hadn't, or something that you wish you handled differently now that you look back at it? Um, and Zach, I wanna, I wanna start with you. Definitely something that I always think back to is uh, my time on American Idol. Um, you know, those those shows are very much shows and they're curated and, you know, the people um, oftentimes on those shows are, um, it, it's just, it's very curated and they a lot of times push you to get certain responses to make, you know, these, uh, to make the show exciting because, I mean, people want to tune in and be entertained. And um, so a big thing for me, uh, learning lesson, um, I'll get really honest and specific about a specific situation. Um, we were talking uh, or doing our interviews and um, I remember I did my interview and they were pushing um, me to like beef up my answer and make it sound more uh, just exaggerated. And I did it and it really wasn't how I felt. And um, I did it to play the game so I could continue on the show. The next person came on and she wasn't having it. She like totally just, you know, used some, some choice words with the cameraman and uh, said what she wanted to say, but she, she knew she was and she like stay, stayed true to herself. And I was like, my thought then was like, that was a big mistake. Like, like if you want to be here, you got to, you know, play the game. And um, two weeks later, um, our time both ended we our time on the show both ended at the same time and i just had the realization like wow like 
she, uh, you know, we both are leaving the show again in the exact same day, exact, we're in the exact same spot. And the only difference was she stayed true to who she was and I didn't. And like, that was a big learning lesson to me, like never sacrifice, you know, your values or who you are um, for an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Kat, a moment in your, your career that you, if you could go back, you change or something that you learned from it. Uh, definitely being signed. I feel like I would just like, if I just had more knowledge, I would have, I would have handled the situation so differently. But um, yeah, I was just young, naive, you know, misled, yada, yada, didn't, didn't have all the tools that I needed to like, you know, be able to kind of uh, stand up to a big major yeah. system like that, where you are going to be like pushed around and tested of your own true confidence and self-esteem, yada, yada, so. Are there, when you talk about knowledge, are there sources that young artists can use now to be more more equipped to handle um, the conversations with the label? Yeah, I think that young people like now and young artists coming up are like extremely equipped. I think that the labels know that now because it was a little different me coming up. Like I didn't even, like the gram had kind like was kind of starting, but it wasn't like what it is now where it's this ginormous platform. Like all that stuff is different now. So, you know, I think young people today, thankfully they can do it on their own, truly. Just like we all, I mean, we all can currently, but um Everybody that is coming into this game with no knowledge at all, just know that everything is in your hands. The internet is like literally right. just a world library, so. Yeah, thank you. Sam, ask same question. A moment in your career that if you could go back, you change or you wish you would feel differently? Um, I'm with, with Zach. Um, just being able to use my voice more um, standing my ground more, um, being in the rooms that I've been in, um, and understanding um, when to say no, when to say yes. Um, but also, like, I've been in rooms, um, write, like, writing and stuff for different artists um, when I was afraid to be vulnerable uh, when it came to my craft. Um, and I was afraid to show that vulnerability. Um, when I was writing, and I wish I would have allowed that to show more, um, because I'm now with my EP coming out, um, and the people I've let hear my EP, they're like, "Bro, where was this five years ago?" And I was like, "Listen, I just it wasn't time, um, or you know, I just wasn't mature." That um, so those are just the two things I would have changed. Or, you know, Thank you. I mean, last but not least, closest hour, a moment that you wish that you learned from or that if you can go back, you, you change some things. Um, for me, the biggest thing that I wish that I would have done is um, Issa Rae said something so powerful and I was like, dang, too little, too late. She said that you should network across and not try to network up. You should network across, network with people that are that you admire that are like on your level 
and see how you guys can build together. For me, because I wrote a song for a commercial, which there's a lot of money for writing in television and film, and that's what I do. So I've never really had to struggle as an independent artist. I've always just been able to make it happen, but I have wasted so much money putting it in places where people just really said they were going to help me and they end up not doing anything. So looking back on it, I would have not did that. I would have networked across and not tried to go to people that just saw me as being like, oh, she gonna pay me money. You know what I'm saying? I would have really done my research um, and saw that I could have did a lot of shit on my, excuse me, a lot of stuff on my own um, and not wasted so much money. So just you know, utilizing the people that you have around you and you guys building together instead of you trying to go to people that's really looking down on you anyway, so they're not really trying to mess with you. So you, you shouldn't just network across and build your with your tribe. That's, that's a, that is a great way to end today's conversation. I want to thank you all so much for being here uh, and for sharing your insights and advice um, as independent artists.